0: you're about to listen to the IC News Podcast. We hope you enjoy it. We'd like more people to hear the show, so if you do, please help us make that happen by leaving us a review on whichever platform you're listening on. It only takes a second, but it lets the gremlins that control the internet know that the show is worth pushing to a wider audience. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. That way, you'll get a new episode of the show each and every Saturday. Now it's time to sit back and enjoy. Get yourself a hot cup of cocoa. Put your feet up on a comfy stool. Let your worries melt away and let us take you to the weirdest places satire has to offer.
1: You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse.
2: Sajid Javid follows Philip Schofield's example by publicly leaving the cabinet. US Attorney General Bill Barr has pleaded with President Trump to stop tweeting about Department of Justice cases, saying they make it very difficult for him to carry out his job as a supposedly covert operative working on behalf of a shameless autocrat. In the wake of the worsening coronavirus epidemic, the NHS follows official Brexit policy and suggests that the entire country self-isolate until foreigners can't hurt us anymore. Downing Street has faced a backlash from journalists after refusing access to a press briefing to unfavorable media outlets. In response, outraged lefties have written sternly worded letters to the burning pile of guardians under Dominic Cummings' boot heels. And finally, a Russian soldier has proposed with the help of the military, surrounding his lover with 16 tanks as he got down on one knee. Proof that Lav is not only blind, it's also very easily coerced with the threat of war. Hello and welcome, you're listening to IC News, the only network with the guts to assert dominance over the facts by never breaking eye contact with them as it masturbates furiously over the salad bar at a harvester. The BBC wouldn't dare eat the croutons of news after we're done with them. We turn the bacon bits of spin into a paste so thick you could hang wallpaper with it. Here at the network you don't just get the news from our own Earth, you also get the hottest stories from across the multiverse. If there's a parallel dimension with an interesting take on the stories here, we'll bring it to you, hot and fresh out the kitchen, with every man in here wishing there was at least one reality where R. Kelly wasn't a massive fucking wrong'un. A lot has happened here on Earth Prime since our last broadcast. President Trump was acquitted, as expected, in his impeachment trial, and he's wasted no time before meddling in the criminal sentencing of his longtime ally and pound-shot Bond villain Roger Stone. Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg are neck and neck in the Democratic race, with each of them offering a genuine alternative to Trump. Sanders is a long-term Democratic Socialist offering universal health care and an end to income inequality, while Buttigieg offers diversity and representation as the first openly gay Democrat candidate to stand as a closeted Republican. While our friends over in America struggle to find a candidate to stand against a newly emboldened autocrat, things aren't much different over here in the UK. Boris Johnson has successfully reshuffled his cabinet, with the shock departure of Sajid Javid as Chancellor stealing all the headlines on Thursday night. Javid reportedly refused to cede to Dominic Cummings' demand that he fire his team of aides in order to keep his job, just in case you were wondering how Britain was doing now that we're completely free from the undue influence of unelected bureaucrats. Javid is replaced by Rishi Sunak, formerly the minister for saying thank you master whenever one of the bigger boys gave him a Chinese burn. Soon, Ax got his work cut out for him. With Boris Johnson now looking to kickstart his schemes to reshape Britain's post-Brexit economy, we now go live to Danny Sutcliffe so he can tell us more about some of the Conservative Party's plans.
3: Hey, hi, Sam. Welcome to Sutcliffe Island, where the drinks flow even more freely than the goods. That's it, lads. Just back it up and unload it all over there. Nice one. Have some poppers. Take a break.
2: Sutcliffe Island? What are you on about? Danny, where are you? Why, I'm in my newly established
3: Freeport, of course. I've got to say, mate, thanks loads for this assignment. These things are absolutely mint. It's no wonder old Bojo wants loads of them.
2: Well, this is already shaping up to be absolute gold. Perhaps you could explain the concept of Freeports to the listeners at home. You know, why Boris Johnson considers them so crucial. Of course I can, but in order to do so in the
3: simplest possible fashion, let me ask you a question first. What's the single biggest obstacle businesses here in the UK face when they look to import and export goods?
2: Well, I'm no expert, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's probably tariffs and taxation.
3: Or, in other words, laws. They fucking bothersome and a hindrance to turning post-Brexit Britain into a truly libertarian paradise, which is why free ports do away with them altogether.
2: And that's definitely not true. <laughs>
3: Greed, oh, you bastard. How have you been? Yeah, I bet you have. Have that, you prick. Danny always shoots first.
2: I feel like I really need to explain something to you, Danny. Oh, yeah, what's that? Careful with that, will you? That shit's not cheap. Free ports aren't lawless, they're just a sort of enterprise zone, designated as such to try and encourage economic activity. They're spaces within a country itself that technically exist outside its borders for tax purposes. Hang on a minute. Terry, put that fucking kazoo down a sec.
4: Aww.
2: What are you getting at, Sam? What's the point of a free port if laws still apply to them? Well, if you're a company operating in one, you can avoid paying taxes until your products are moved elsewhere. Or you can store and manufacture goods within the freeport itself and avoid them altogether before you export. What? So they're basically just tax havens?
3: Ways of avoiding, potentially, EU tariffs? If the benefits the government proposes for them go that far, then yes, potentially. Doesn't that sort of blatant undercutting undermine our position when negotiating a trade deal? It could do, yeah. And don't they risk facilitating money laundering and tax evasion, meaning a loss to treasury income? That's a couple of the main concerns
2: about them, yes, absolutely. Why is all this happening now, then? Why haven't we had free ports before? Well, we have. We just didn't renew the licences for them in 2012 because our trading relationship with the EU rendered them fairly pointless. We basically had something... Don't you fucking say it. Better. So, just to clarify something,
3: if, let's say... I set up a free port. And called it Sutcliffe Island, yeah? Yeah, hypothetically. Let's say I did that by getting some lads together and storming Nutsford services.
2: Well, that wouldn't be a free port under any stretch of the definition.
3: And murder definitely wouldn't be legal there. No. And no would stockpiling several tons of spice and selling it on through a network of moped couriers. Categorically not, no. Sam, on a completely unrelated note, I better go, pal. Do us a favour, give me a week or two to burn me fingerprints off, will you? I'll be in touch. Pack it up, lads. I think we may have vastly overestimated the economic benefits of this endeavour. Terry, <laughs> I swear to God, I will turn that fucking thing sideways and shove it up your ass.
2: Free ports aren't the Conservative Party's only plans to prop up the country's fortunes moving forwards. Britain's crumbling transport infrastructure is also a key focus for Johnson's long-term economic plans, presumably because the 1% are going to need an awful lot of trains in order to move their wealth offshore now the incoming EU regulations on tax evasion can't get at it. We now go to Alison June-Smith, who's been looking at the future of our rail network.
1: Hear that, everyone? That's the sound of traveling in style. I'm currently stretching my legs out on a high-speed train roaring along at 250 miles an hour. This is the speed of business, baby. It's the speed of the future. It's the speed everybody should be leaving Birmingham at, no matter which direction they're traveling in. This week, Boris Johnson put his big boy boot down and said enough was enough. Earth Prime is going ahead with HS2. Or at least the bit that connects to London, because, duh, it's the Tories. Over the next couple of decades, Britain's going to be pushing ahead with a massive upgrade to its transport network. With the project expecting to boost the economy by creating thousands of jobs and rebalancing the North-South divide. (laughs) If they actually build the bit that connects to the North, which they definitely will. Wink, wink, vote for me. It's a controversial decision because HS2 has been stuck on signal failure for years now, with the projected cost exploding to anything up to 100 billion pounds. Do you have any idea what 100 billion pounds could buy Britain over the next two decades? Seriously, (laughs) let me know. I'm looking at Brexit and thinking about Zimbabwe and I just don't fucking know anymore. Britain's high-speed rail upgrade has been talked about for pretty much the entirety of the Conservative Party's last decade in power. Which is why it's pretty ballsy that Boris Johnson now wants a pat on the back for finally giving it the green light. He's like a Tinder date who wants a thank you for finally letting you breathe after choking you for nine minutes. You're not a good guy, Paul, 38. The really funny thing about Boris's HS2 plans, though, is that he says he'll bring discipline to the project after years of mismanagement. This is the guy who blew millions on a garden bridge that never made it off paper, and millions more on commemorative Brexit coins that had to be melted down faster than Cher's face under a hot lamp. If Boris Johnson has discipline, then Paul from Tinder has a healthy relationship with women. Paul. You're only six foot and three inches if those are two separate measurements. I'm glad you paid for the fucking Nandos. I'm here on Earth Tango Orient Express 3. And on this Earth, HS2 was completed on budget and on time over ten years ago. Britain here is well connected with plenty of capacity on the rail network and local economies along the route flourishing as a result. With fewer domestic flights now that rail is a genuine and viable alternative, the UK's carbon emissions are even on target to reach net zero in more than enough time for it not to make a blind bit of difference to the climate apocalypse. This isn't just a high-speed train. It's a smug high-speed train, courtesy of a conservative party who actually have the priorities right and the management skills to see a project delivered. Try to imagine that happening on Earth Prime. I'm going to be in London in under an hour. It's like living in the future, baby! <laughs> or you know, Japan at the present.
2: Sorry to interrupt, madam, but did I hear you right? Do you, uh, do you think you're going to London?
1: Well, yeah. This is the HS2 line, isn't it?
2: Oh well, yeah, but as you said, delivered by a Tory party. This train doesn't go to London. It deports people straight into the middle of the sea.
1: Motherfucker.
2: And that'll be 173 quid, please. So far in the show, we've looked at the economy and Britain's transport infrastructure. Another priority for the new government is safety and security, an issue that's been thrown into all-too-harsh a spotlight given the events of the last fortnight. We sent Tom King to unearth with something to teach us about the dangers of knee-jerk political solutions to complex questions of national security.
5: Thanks, Sam. It's been just under two weeks since Sudash Amman stabbed two people in Streatham before being shot dead by armed officers. It was another bloody and horrifying terrorist attack on British streets carried out by a suspect recently freed from prison under the automatic release programme. In response, the government has stepped up its plans to end this practice for convicted terrorists, moving quickly to block upcoming releases and setting the stage for protracted legal battles in the courts. It's a complicated and highly emotive issue. It's far too easy, and a favourite tactic of those on the right, to accuse Liberals of aligning themselves with the human rights of terrorists over the security of the populace. If you're in any way cautious about the potential repercussions of a rushed end to early release, you're either in bed with Al-Qaeda or at least giving ISIS a handjob in the cinema. There's no space for being a milk wet blanket apologist cook obsessed with pesky trivialities like human rights or the law when dealing with jihadist violence. Let's not mess about. The left are fucking lousy at countering that argument, even though there's not one person in the country who reasonably believes that known and dangerous terrorists should be given licence to wreak havoc on Britain's streets the reality of why this shit keeps happening is a lot more complicated than simply laying it all at the door of early release. The biggest chunk of the book stops with the self-appointed party of law and order who currently sit in power and have spent the last decade doing precious little to address the problem. Counter-terrorism is an expensive and complicated job, and if you cut both funding and your pool of expertise to the bone, your keep net for the terrorists you do catch is going to end up with more holes in it than a goth stockings. Just last week, officials working on Boris Johnson's pledge to recruit 20,000 new police officers criticised his plans as woefully inadequate, citing 50,000 as the figure actually needed to staunch the flow of personnel out of the service. Quite why this government has such an issue with the basic maths of factoring in those leaving the sector, whether it's the police or nursing, is beyond me. But hey, Diane Abbott's funny, isn't she? (laughs) An aggressive and instant sticking plaster of a response to an issue of grave public concern is, of course, the Tory party's bread and butter, particularly when they can look strong and authoritative without actually proposing any funding whatsoever to mitigate the root causes of the problem. The Home Office is now helmed by Preeti Patel. This is the woman who proposed threatening to starve Ireland, just to strengthen our hand in the Brexit negotiations. That's in case you were wondering about her grasp of the basic principles of justice. The erosion of human rights doesn't start with sympathetic targets. It starts with the worst offenders imaginable as a litmus test for what the populace will stomach. Authoritarian governments seeking to chip away at our everyday freedoms rely on the fact that most of us won't even notice we've given them up if we're too busy cheering at the gallows. I'm here on Earth Echo Hotel Ed 209. This is a world where the streets are kept safe by a conservative government that needed to react drastically to a crime rate spiking as they struggled to recruit the police officers they so desperately needed. That response came in the form of Patel's Computerised Subjugation Officers, or PCSOs for short. Oh look, here comes one now. Evening, officer.
4: Hello, hello, hello. What is going on in the vicinity? Present papers. Present papers.
5: Oh yes, of course. Uh, I'm here on an interdimensional work permit. There you go. And this is my press card.
4: Do you think you are being clever, sunshine? Sunshine?
5: Uh, no, definitely not. I, I meant no disrespect, officer. No, not at all.
4: I can smell cannabis. Do you have cannabis? Tell the truth, or you will only make more trouble for yourself. Sunshine? Sunshine?
5: Uh, how can you smell cannabis? Uh, you haven't even got a nose.
4: I have probable cause. You are ordered to consent to an on the spot trip search. We will see, who is the one, who is laughing out
5: <sighs> Well, this day is going swimmingly. I'm Tom King, just glad he at least isn't black, reporting for IC News.
4: Drop your trousers, and prepare for search.
5: <laughs> is that, is that a fucking whist? Stop resisting. Oh. Stop resisting.
4: <laughs> oh look, he has a gun. Sunshine. Sunshine.
2: Worrying stuff from Tom there, but thankfully, here on Earth Prime, our political freedoms are the best defence against a gradual slide into totalitarianism. The biggest fleshlight in the toolbox for unfucking a democracy is, of course, a robust opposition, and here on Earth Prime, the Labour Party are attempting to reconfigure themselves after a disastrous election result. We now go to Monty Burns with the latest news from the Labour leadership campaign trail.
6: Thanks Sam. In just under a week the Labour membership ballot opens and the parties search for a new leader. Hobbled by a Brexit policy that failed to persuade voters, coupled with a press onslaught against a leader who proved far from agile and ducking criticism, the Labour party was humbled in December by its worst election defeat in decades. Thankfully, the party has cast aside the old divisions of the Corbyn era, with every candidate now unified around a common goal of providing a coherent opposition to a newly emboldened Conservative government. (laughs) I'm just kidding. The whole thing's a fucking mess. Emily Thornberry got a couple of zingers in during the leadership debate, but she's yet to gather the required backing to qualify for the ballot. So for now, we're essentially down to a three-horse race. Keir Starmer, Rebecca Long-Bailey and Lisa Nandy. Just last week, the party formally reported members of Starmer's team to the Information Commissioner, accusing them of hacking into a membership database in order to gain a campaign advantage. This was hot in the heels of the Starmer camp, accusing Long-Bailey's team of similar antics just a week before. It's an embarrassing tit-for-tat game of Sir Said. She said... Everybody denies any wrongdoing, accusing each other of political game playing, and once again Labour look like a bunch of squabbling dickheads. For all the talk of bridging the gulf between the different factions within Labour, it seems that the toxic politics that rendered the party unelectable continue to rumble on under the surface. If you thought a humiliating election defeat might knock some reality into the Labour backbenches, you're going to be sorely disappointed. There's talk of a group of MPs threatening to resign the whip if Long Bailey is elected, unhappy as they are with the prospect of a continuity Corbyn leadership. Presumably those same MPs saw the roaring success of the Independent Group for change and fancy following that particular lemming straight off the cliff into total oblivion. Starmer seems like the frontrunner, but he's not exactly lighting bonfires of excitement among the party's activists. There seem to be two main schools of thought around this race and neither of them are particularly optimistic. Does Labour stick to Corbyn's policy guns under Long Bailey, hoping that Brexit and the baggage of Jezza himself will be enough ballast over the side to see the party's fortunes rise once again? Or do they vote in Starmer's tightrope act as he tries to avoid bad-mouthing Corbyn and rebuild the party's credibility with a steady but not particularly inspiring hand on the tiller? If neither of those options are particularly desirable, does Lisa Nandy have enough to offer beyond some verbal smackdown for Piers Morgan? Nandy's willing to set herself apart so far by laying some of the blame for Labour's last defeat on a bloated manifesto that missed the mark. It's a clear departure from Starmer's careful walk across the Corbinite eggshells and it's a thousand miles away from Long Bailey's stance that Jeremy found the manifesto printed on gold plates and buried in a stone box after an angel directed him to dig for it in his allotment.
1: I am a Corbyn, and a just please.
6: She's willing to make the difficult case that Labour have been losing support for years But is that pragmatism going to get her the support she needs? Or is the battle between Starmer and Long Bailey going to eat all the headlines before she can get a look in? I'm here on Earth, Romeo Alpha, Pan Am 17. A world where some seriously grotesque income inequality has created two very different societies. Here in the capital, the Conservatives rule and the wine flows freely. Whereas out in the districts, the Labour Party are allowed a little autonomy to self-govern provided the taxes are still kicked back to Westminster. The title of Labour leader is basically a figurehead position but the proles fucking love it and the election of a new one is an annual spectacle that brings everybody together. In fact you've joined me just in time for the big climax of the 74th annual Blunder Games. There's no union support needed for this one, the rules are simple, 12 candidates are dumped in an arena and the last one standing wins. There's the signal for the end of Jess Phillips. Tragic really, choking on your own hubris like that. That leaves three. Starmer, Long Bailey, and Nandy. Here comes Starmer now, charging in on his horse. Long Bailey's got a go up Oh, what do you know, they've taken each other out and Nandy wins by default. Well, that was fucking uninspiring, wasn't it? I'm Monty Burns, sticking around for the free drinks, reporting for IC News.
2: That report brings us to the end of our broadcast. We hope you enjoyed your stay, but now it's time to deport you back to the real world, because doing so makes us look tough and old white people fucking love that shit at the ballot box. We leave you now with a roundup of some of the stories you may have missed. Parasite has won Best Film at the Oscars, becoming the first movie that you pretend you've seen in order to sound cultured to ever do so. Billie Eilish has released her theme song for the latest Bond movie, pulling off the seemingly impossible by making Sam Smith's effort sound even shitter in comparison. Cases of mumps have hit a ten-year high in Britain with doctors now advising the public to get two doses of autism in order to maximise their protection against the illness. What the fuck? Why is the dimensional gate
4: opening? Hello? 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 What is going on in the vicinity? Oh, bollocks. Source of interdimensional portal located. The CSO unit is detecting dangerous levels of government criticism. Suspects will consent to an immediate trip, sir.
2: You've been listening to IC News, thank you and good night. I'm getting the fuck out of here.
4: You will be whisked until you accept authoritarianism. This is for your own good. Stop resisting. Cup of tea, governor. Oh look, he has a gun. Sunshine,
0: sunshine. You've just been listening to the IC News Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please take a second to leave us a rating and a review wherever you're listening, it would really help us out. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, as when you do so, you'll get a new episode of the show each and every Saturday. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. This episode also featured Alison June Smith, Danny Sutcliffe, Tom King, and Monty Burns. If this is the bonus cut, you also heard Red Redmond in the bonus sketch. The main theme was written and performed by Eddie French, and you also heard Strength of the Titans by Kevin McLeod. The sound effects come from freesound.org, either under the Creative Commons license or with full credit for the use of effects under the attribution license given in the podcast description. The podcast logo was designed by Chumchi.com. IC News only exists thanks to the fans of ICU who support us through Patreon. If you'd like to get early access to all ICU content, Including the weekly stories on the Facebook page as well as the extended cuts of this show, you can do so by pledging as little as a pound a month. You can find us at patreon.com/ICUstories. If you’d like to contact IC News, you can reach us by email at ICnewspodcast at gmail.com. This voice was proudly generated by www.filmmusic.io.